0: This is a Hot Pie Original. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 with the Inhumane Podcast, a Hot Pie Media Original. Today, we are going to talk about child soldiers. Um, I know that those two words sound like an oxymoron, but we are talking about child soldiers today. Um, I think a big piece of why I wanted to talk about it specifically um, sooner than later is, uh, you know, I have a long list of topics um, that have to do with human trafficking. But lately, I've been getting, of course, a lot of a lot of calls, a lot of DMs, and it's been part of conversation and in conferences as well as um, trainings and task force um, meetings that I'm a part of and. Uh, People are starting to see it here in the U.S. because they're seeing kids that are in Cuba and all of the stuff that's happening in Cuba. And if you have not been listening to um, alternative media um, or news outlets, because let's be real, a lot of the mainstream ones only want to show what they want to show. There is a lot of life. Footage from people in Cuba that are videotaping what's happening and, of course, posting it. And you can distinctly see children being yanked out of their homes. Um, And if you don't understand Spanish, hook up with someone um, so they can actually translate what these families are actually saying, opposed to relying on the media or personally. And again, this is no no relation whether i like the current administration or i don't um but i think it's absurd what the press secretary has been saying about cuba and about um what they're chanting and things like that thinking that most of the american public either doesn't understand spanish or they can't find someone to translate for them um so i That's just a side note, but make sure you do something like that um, and not rely on them translating. So they're yanking these kids out of their homes. um, And then you can see that they're like 12, 13, like they're maybe 80 pounds, 70 pounds wet. And they put them in police gear, police like riot gear with shields and the helmets and all of that good stuff. And they pretty much have made them form like a barricade right in front of these mobs in front of the, the community and the citizens. And why are they doing that? Right. Is it because they want to, is it, um, and I think of like, you know, child soldiers, this isn't a new thing. So think about history, like, you know, Joan of Arc specifically, um, and Joan of Arc, she, she went to battle and she said and she claimed that she heard God's voice when she was like 13, 14 years old. And he told her that you were going to go to battle and lead France to victory. And so at 15, she did that, right? She cut her hair, she put on armor, like she portrayed herself as a boy for a long time, because of course, they wouldn't let females um, into battle. And so we glorify that. And that was like, she kind of just took that on, right? And did it. Um, Something that I think also is relevant to people for y'all to kind of understand is there's recently been, and we've talked about on this show before, um, the story of Mulan, right? And everyone, I'm sure you're like, that's an animated movie or what have you, that's fiction. Well, it actually comes from a folktale of China, right? And so This folktale, we clearly found it so interesting that we wanted to make a movie about it. Right. And 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 I've heard and I've seen a lot of young girls say, oh, I want to be Mulan. Right. Like I can fight in battle. I can I can win a war. I can help and so on and so forth. And what did Mulan do? Same thing. Her country was going to war and they needed all men to go. Her father was elderly as well as he already had like a disability from a previous war. So she went in his stead without him, of course, knowing. And she, too, portrayed herself as a boy um, so that she could fight and battle and and win. And so she's like this heroine of this story. Right. So um, I want to make sure that we're not seeing that when it comes to the Cuban people or any child soldier across the, across the globe. Um, And so, you know, I kind of want you to think for yourself here. If I pose the question, if we're putting these, you know, 12, 13 year olds and we're lining them up, what, what is the point of that? Right. Are we using them, as I mentioned, like their own physical bodies as a barricade? Are we, um, and when I say we, I mean the Cuban Um, the Cuban regime, Um, are they pulling them out, making sure they're barricade because these are kids from the community. So, oh, now we will not have families. We will not have the community come and attack the military or continue fighting because now they got to get through their own family, right? They got to get through their own kids first. How horrible, how is that different than if we go over to the Middle East, just because they're known for using their children as suicide bombers, to me, how, I don't see much of a difference. I really, really don't. If you break it down, really, what is the difference if you're using children as your shield? Because that, that's what it is. They are a shield so that no one else can attack you. What? What? Like you're some grown people and it's your military and you have all of these weapons and Humvees and things that have armor and also the mental state of an adult opposed to the mental state of a 12 year old or 13 year old. And like in some of these videos, you can see like like they're just kind of looking around like this because they don't know what to do. Right. They see a mob of people very upset, as well as I'm sure they know a lot of what's going on on um why they're rising up, right? Why the country is rising up against their uh dictatorship. And so I'm sure they've heard some of that. And they're like, wait, I'm on the wrong side. <laughs> right? You pulled me from my house. Why am I here? I'm not here to volunteer. Um, now just to let you know. Let's see. Um, Like today, there's about 250,000 to 300,000 children fighting um, in the world for, you know, for wars. And it's usually internal conflict. Um, And of course, just like all human trafficking statistics, which I think are very much like any other vulnerable um, demographic that we're trying to get stats for, it's very hard to get like hard, hard data, right? Because of course you have to self-identify as one as well. And due to the circumstances, especially when you go into a country, let's go to another country, um, like Somalia, you're talking, it is, uh, it's the top, it's in the one out of 10 of the poorest countries in the world. This is all they know. This is normal to them, right? So why would they self-identify as they are a child soldier? This is how they do things. This is how it's run. So that's why stats you really have to take with, you know, just a grain of salt, because it's just not completely accurate all the time. Um, some will have more depending on the questions of the survey and some will have less, right? Number wise. And I wanted to be clear on that because there's a lot of conversation and I, um, I think I mentioned it on a podcast before, but I was giving a training, um, on, you know, on human trafficking prevention and. This one gentleman, he kind of kept going back and forth with me and trying to tell me that those statistics aren't right; they're much higher, um, and that this other this other organization said that these are the stats, so mine are wrong. And I preface the training with, "Hey, I'm going to give you some statistics, of course, but I again, I want you to take them. Um, they could be higher and they could be lower. Usually, we say that they are higher um, because people just don't self-identify, um, but." We also don't want to, I don't know, get everyone's like emotions triggered by saying a billion instead of the actual number of being five hundred thousand. Um, so I just want to be clear on that, because that's the same thing we're going on with everything that's happening with Cuba right now and. Um, I normally like to wait a little while so I can make sure everything is legit and we've done as much research as possible um, and kind of seen the aftershock, if you will. So we're just not talking out of our rear end, right? (laughs) But I just thought that this is such a a great time because Americans are starting to see it and normally we don't. Um, First world just don't. Unless you're in the NGO space, um, if you're in the nonprofit space, um, you know, and do some international work like that or on mission trips, then you see it. Um, but now we're kind of getting a, a taste of that, right? So there is a huge recruitment that starts like when they're 10 years old. 10 years old. Imagine. Who you were at 10. And if you have children, or if you're a teacher, if you're around any kids, think about the 10 year olds that are in your life. And there they are, expected to pick up a gun, put on riot gear, right? Hold a shield, and just have that mental capacity to hold the line, let's just say. And those from military and police know what I mean when I say hold the line, right? That means you're you're standing your ground um because you're about to go to battle. A 10 year old in many countries, um, it it is like that. Of course, there are th- they're third world countries um and have like hundreds of years of internal conflict for sure. Um now some of the things that they're asked to do. I'm sure you can only imagine. Um, but actually, before I say that, there is international law that states you cannot recruit right under the age of, um, of 18 in the military. And then there's another number of like 15 as well, because in a lot of countries, their legal age is like 14, 15 years old. <clears throat> it's not 18. So then you kind of have this like, Right. Country law opposed to this international law. And it gets a little it gets a little tricky and sticky, Um, but still a 15 year old going to war. Right. And I know when I've talked to a lot of people um, and like my dad, when he was in the military, my uncles who were in the Korean, my grandfather was in Korea and um, my uncles during Vietnam War and the The thoughts and feelings they had, like especially Vietnam War when they're drafted and they're like 18 years old. So they're not allowed to drink, not allowed to smoke. But here they are are allowed to put a gun in their hand. Right. And even then at 18, um, right, their mental state is is still much better than a 10 year old and a 14 year old. That's just factual. And I get it. We lived in different times then. Um, maturity was probably very different because we had to work differently and in at in a younger age and more chores and things of that nature for sure. Um, but still, a ten-year-old a uh, and up to a fifteen-year-old should not be in war at all whatsoever. So some of the tasks that they're required to do or what the, they're recruited for is they have to participate in like combat, of course, laying mines down. Like, can you imagine? laying mines down. And I'm 100% positive that these mines, these bombs are homemade, right? A lot of them. So them even going off and the danger of them even setting that up, like, even carrying it, right, to to its destination in that hole right there. Um, so they have to lay mines and explosives. They scout, right, because a child is obviously non-threatening. Um, so they're scouting, they're spying, they're acting as decoys or couriers. Some of them are definitely guards for sure. Um, they use them in training, drills, operations, um, like with, like, preparing logistics and things like that. Um, But they're also, they carry things like a, like a porter would. Um, They also recruit them so that they could cook for the soldiers and domestic labor, labor. And let's not forget sexual slavery. Okay. So when you, when you think of a child soldier, and even if you've seen pictures um, of child soldiers, you mainly see boys. However, we constantly neglect the girls and if I'm not, I'm I'm I believe they take up like half of the statistics <laughs> when you go to third world countries and in South America and Central America as well. It's not just on the other side of the world. It's definitely if you're in the U.S., it's it, it it's down our path as well. And so they recruit these young girls and they are sex slaves. They are forced to um, be sex slaves for all of these soldiers um, that are in the military. And there's tons of pictures where you will see, uh, young girls with a baby strap to their back and they're cooking or they're doing also portering. Like they don't just have one job of just being a sex slave. Right. And so there's that indoctrination and that generational, right. So that if she has a little girl, what does that little girl grow up to be? A child soldier and a sex slave. Like it it just repeats itself if she doesn't die um before that, right? If she wasn't sold before that. Because we know babies, um, you can make a lot of money off of selling uh selling a baby, right? So let's see. Um, oh yeah. One of the things is yes, they're picking up weapons and yes, they're, you know, all of these jobs that they're giving them. But as I mentioned about like family members that I know, as well as tons of other people who were like drafted in the Vietnam War, there is a lot of um, issues of them, like I said, not of age to do all these things, but their age to go to war. Well, it's not like that with child soldiers. They do not treat them like children at all. They start to treat them like men. So here you go. Here's all the drugs that you want. Easy to control, right? So think about it from a recruiting perspective. Um. If I'm in a country and we're having some internal conflict and I'm raiding these towns, I'm not going to go and try to capture a 17, 18 year old. That dude's going to be smart enough, um, probably strong enough to fight his way. And then I'm, you know, and I'm trigger warning to be graphic, but I'm just trying to give you an example of their mindset is. You know, I'm not going to work myself up and try to capture him again. No, I'm probably just going to have to kill him um, because he's causing issues and he's going to probably keep trying to escape. Right. Like I can't indoctrinate him at 17, 18 um, as it's I'm going to have to put in more work to do that opposed to getting a 10 year old, 11 year old. um, Those are easy. Less food. Right. Right. So, less money for me to maintain that way, less work in my indoctrination um i in my indoctrination, let's talk about that for a second. What does that look like? um indoctrination for them, and especially in these internal conflicts um and they see their homes getting raided um they see when militant groups or yeah yeah, like a lot of militant groups where they steal the food and water that you know international aid drops off um, and then they hoard that, right? So they can starve their people. Um, These kids are seeing all that and they're understanding some of it. And so when they are kidnapped and they're taken, they're told that this is revenge on the people who took food from them. This is revenge on the people who burned down your town. This is revenge for um, the people who killed your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. This is revenge. This is how we rise up as a country to fight back. So telling a 10-year-old that is very different than telling a 17-year-old that, right? So that indoctrination is key, key to them. Um. So while they're treating them like men, Right. As I mentioned about the drugs, if I give you drugs, you're easier to control. And I don't limit you. If you have a problem, you have a problem. If you don't, you don't. Uh, But it's all about um, if a kid is on drugs like that and they're being told that you need to avenge your family's um, death or your family home or land that was taken away, mixed with drugs, mixed with being like an adolescent. What do you think that's going to create? Right. Right what do you think that's going to create? Like right now they're a victim and don't get me wrong. I, I still believe that they're a victim for sure, but you've just started to create like this, this, this monster, right. That has, that may not have any regard for human life, but it's normal. It's absolutely normal. And what are we doing about it? Okay. Okay now why are um i oh, I gave you some of the reasons of why um why why they're used um i think another was obedient i wanted to give you a little little bit more um what what is that one um actually i think i might have said them all <laughs> um so yeah those are all reasons of basically just easier to manipulate right of why we use or why they use um child soldiers. So let's see. If I can put it a little bit more in context for you, um there's this movie and I I'm I'm hoping that a lot of you have seen it if you haven't. Um it's Black Hawk Down, okay? So and, you know, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I'll reference like a piece of a movie because it is relevant, but don't take the whole movie as in that's what's happening when it comes to definitely human trafficking. But this one I think is pretty relevant. Um, Black Hawk Down. This is when the U.S. military is in Somalia um, in the early 90s. And they were there to capture some leadership who, of course, are starving their people, stealing aid, um, just really bad for the country. And uh, the U.S. government's take was we we're in there to to help and to free their people. Um, well, some bad things start to happen um, or actually, you know, they're about to go in. So you got troops on the ground. In addition to troops on the ground, they actually have Blackhawks, which are these little helicopters that are more made for war and kind of can go in and out, um, but to drop off guys as well. And it's above. So... Um, I remember one of the soldiers, he makes a really good comment like, oh, my gosh, this would be such a beautiful place. Like the ocean, the beaches, they're just absolutely beautiful and hardly and like it's not filled with tourists. Right. Like it is Somalia. Um, And the guy's like, yeah, it'd be great if it wasn't infested with sharks. Um, So you have this beautiness and it's uh, it's just showing the beauty of Somalia in in the countryside and near the beach. And then all of a sudden there's this child And from, of course, from the bird's eye view, literally, um, they're waving at this child. And what the child is actually doing is he's holding up a cell phone. Okay, so he's holding up a cell phone. Um, Then the scene goes to another child who has a cell phone and he's running and he's running through, um, like a, like a little village or the town and building. And he takes the phone to like the number two guy or the number three guy, um, in the opposing team, if you will. And they give it to him and he's now he's hearing and he understands that those are helicopters. So now they're moving. Right. So there you go. It wasn't a trigger that and again this is a movie could have happened in real life or not real life um they could have added it more but this is actually a really great example is you saw a child and not once were you thinking ooh we need to change our strategy or pivot at all whatsoever instead you're saying like oh hi like yes there's this child in in this you know country of just turmoil and you know i want him to see me as you know a friendly soldier and i'm here to help free his country or or whatever the case may be right but instead he really was Um, a messenger. And I mean, the guy looks like a little guy. He looks like he's nine, eight years old. So of course, doesn't know what he's doing. He just knowing he's there to help and whatever else they brainwashed him with. Right. So that to me is a really good example that I like to use when it comes to like, okay, like check out this person who could be a messenger. Um, Now, one of the things I want to state in regards to a lot of these countries um, and let's just So, as I mentioned, you have Somalia, one of the 10 poorest countries in the world. You have the Democratic Republic of Congo. You have Iran, Iraq, Mali, Nigeria, um, South Sudan, Syria, and, um, you know, Yemen. Now, a lot of these countries, right, because you have a lot of like the Human Rights Watch, a lot of uh, international NGOs, um, and they're... Trying to work with these countries and they've been working with them for a long time where they're like, hey, you know, we can't have these child soldiers and whatever it is that they talk to them about and the long term health. Right. So not only are we trying to rescue these children at whatever the age they are now, but rescue them, but give them the support that they actually need. Right. Because they've just been told um, for years that they're avenging somebody's death, right? Um, and I I look at that. There's another movie called um, Blood Diamond. There it is. My brain just went burnt. So Blood Diamond. And that is with Leonardo DiCaprio. So that's an older movie too. That came out in the 90s. And he's in Sierra Leone. And they're very known for their diamonds. Hence why a lot of people now know um, to buy ethical diamonds um, was because a lot of this bloodshed that was happening um, in countries like Sierra Leone. So they have such rich resources and all of these, um, I'm not gonna just say Western world people because it's also internal, right? People from their country who are also making deals and doing bad things and, and killing people, right? So there's an episode or an episode. There's it. It kind of shows you this this African family, um, and he has a mom and a sister, and, um, or he has a daughter and a son. And same thing. Soldiers are coming into their village, um, and he's like a stand up guy and teaching his son and his his children good things, um, no matter what's happening in their country. And he's kidnapped, and it took him a while, but he becomes like the favorite of um one of the like the main guy of of this military group and i mean they're like exactly what i described they're giving these kids alcohol and drugs and tons of guns and let's have shootings and you know it's almost like a they try to create this like peter pan kind of moment um and then it it ends quickly cuz now they definitely have to start killing people um, and fast forward at the uh, towards the end of the movie, the little boy is around again and he actually has a gun and he has a gun and it's facing Leonardo DiCaprio when they're actually trying to save him. And and his dad's getting in front of him and you can see his brain like he's just so confused. So think about that. It's not like it, this was years. Right. And they do such terrible things with you that almost you your your mind starts to play tricks on you as well. So if that can happen in a short period of time, which me working with trauma victims, your mental state, their mental state can change rather quickly. They don't need to spend years as a child soldier. This can happen. Um, you know, within a week's time and you're talking, it'll take years of therapy for them to be healthy again. So I say all that because that's essential when we're trying to help these countries or all these international NGOs that are trying to help these countries um, rescue these child soldiers, give them the support that they need, but also work with these countries to say, okay, let's make a treaty, right, of some sort where these kids, um, you're not doing it anymore. You're no longer recruiting, even though your legal age is, you know, 14 in your country, you're no longer recruiting them to go into your national military until they're 18. Um, And so there's a lot, especially like during 2012, um, 2017, with the countries that I had just mentioned, that they're working on that. However. (sighs) However, (laughs) a lot of them go back on their word for a variety of reasons. I'm sure in their mind, these are justified reasons. But um, obviously, I'm speaking from a first world person who has been in the field of human trafficking for a while as an advocate and trying to change policies and things like that. And so I'm like, how do you justify it? Right, these countries are in a totally different space, and anytime a new regime comes up, things don't matter. It doesn't matter if they signed a treaty before or they agreed or anything along those lines. Everything is like new again. everything is fair game, and everyone is fair game um and so. A lot of the stats, by the way, that I just gave you come from the 2018 trafficking in Persons report um, where I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what's what happened in right nineteen 2021, 20, but because of the pandemic, um, a lot of a lot of those stats really you know they're just not there yet, so we'll see. And if you look up online because I definitely obviously want you to research about child soldiers, um, I want you to see. I want you to see there's definitely going to be a lot of stuff in the early 2000s and 2012, a lot of heavy reports like this takes time because a lot of these, like I mentioned, are in third world countries. So it's not like getting reports here from the State Department and boom, it just pops up in a year's time. So it's definitely, definitely not like that. Um, But there is a Child Soldiers Prevention Act, and that's from definitely... um, The U.S. Department of State. Right. So you're talking about these are the U.S. Department of State is where all the embassies, um, the U.S. embassies um, work under. So obviously they would have a Child Soldiers Prevention Act. um, And that's definitely key to have. Um, And one of the things I think is is essential for me when I talk about that and when I talk to some of those um NGOs, is that these kids when they're rescued, that they're able to reclaim their youth, right? Because their childhood was taken away from them, whether it was for a month's time, a year's time, or, you know, five years' time. Um, how do we help them reclaim their youth in a safe and healthy um manner so that they can live a great life and that has become right their their past. Um, so I recommend and I'm going to talk about this again and there's actually um there is a child soldier who is on um trial right now um out of out of Africa and so I'm waiting for a couple more things to to kind of settle and then that's going to be another episode because oh gosh actually I want you to look at this one article um This is Dominic Ongwin, and I could, of course, be pronouncing his last name wrong. Um, But if you go to the Human Rights Watch, and that's actually your task. Let's do that. That's your call to action today, is if you go to the humanrightswatch.org, there is an article, and this um, article's name is How to Hold a Former child soldier accountable um how to yeah how to hold a former child soldier accountable and i want you to read that article because this article really can help you go from both sides like he has killed so many and kidnapped and everything that a soldier in those countries do like he was like number three i think on like you know the top guys and from this military group um but he is an actual child soldier, right? He is a victim of being a child soldier. So he was kidnapped and he was indoctrinated and brainwashed to do this this whole entire time. So do we take that into account or we just say, you know, um, no, like off with his head kind of thing. And so I'm so interested to to hear. Um, And so if you can read that, Um, I think that will give you the perspective of or a little bit of a better perspective of child soldiers and where they can end up being if we don't start preventing um, this from happening a little bit more. And I just want to leave you with the last words from um, from Gandhi. And he said, if we are to teach real peace in this world, and if we were to carry on a real war against war, we shall have to begin with the children. And to me, that's in every aspect. That's in every social justice space that um, we care about. We have to start with the children. And in this case, we have to protect them. And then we have to work with them for sure. So look forward to um, seeing y'all next time. Thanks so much for listening.